we're going to talk about why they're great and see what their essential greatness is. And we'll talk about some more of the obscure things or people off to the side that maybe you didn't know about so that you'll get an understanding of the enormous scope of poetry in English. In the end, we're going to understand why poetry is so important to us. Why even when we have iPods and CDs and television 24 hours a day and the internet, poetry is still enormously important, even if we don't recognize it as such. So let me explain how the chapters are going to build up, how the course is going to all come together. We'll start out in a first lecture and just talk about what poetry is, how we define it, how we recognize a poem when we see it, how we encounter a poem when we don't even recognize it, just like in the name of the franchise, Dunkin' Donuts. That's an alliterative line from Anglo-Saxon poetry. Not that there were actually Dunkin' Donuts in Anglo-Saxon poetry, but if you took the phrase Dunkin' Donuts, brought it back to the 7th century, and wrote it in a medieval manuscript, it would fit perfectly in terms of style, in terms of alliteration, in terms of meter. So we're going to do that. We're going to look at poetry that way. Then we're going to spend a lecture on oral tradition and the theory of oral composition, because that's really where most of the poetry in the world was created. In the history of humankind, most of it was oral tradition. So we'll look at oral tradition, we'll see how oral tradition works, and how it's the foundation for everything else that gets built on top of it. Then, lecture three, I'll tell you in advance, this is going to be my favorite because it's on Anglo-Saxon poetry, Old English poetry, my specialty. There'll be Beowulf and some other poems in there. And we'll, we'll talk about those very, very ancient roots of English poetry. And then, we'll talk about Middle English, the poetry of Chaucer. I've done a course on Chaucer. You can listen to an entire course about Chaucer. But for the purposes of this lecture, we just want to build Chaucer and some of his contemporaries and understand what was going on in poetry for the period called the Middle English period. And I'll explain that in more detail when we get there. Then, I had to spend two lectures on the Renaissance. Now, for this to make sense, you have to understand that I'm a medievalist by training, so I really love the Middle Ages, and the Renaissance comes after the Middle Ages, and the Renaissance gets so much attention, and I wanted to shift attention to the Middle Ages, but I just couldn't compress Renaissance into one lecture. There's too much good stuff. So we'll look at Renaissance for two lectures, early and late, and then we'll do the 18th century, the age of Alexander Pope, and the Enlightenment, and the intellectual poetry. And then we'll spend two lectures on Romantics. For exactly the same reason we're spending two lectures on the Renaissance. The Romantics are just that good. And I'll explain how the Romantics work, where they came from, why they're still so influential today, and look at some of their pretty amazing poetry. Then, for Lecture 10, we'll talk about Victorians, who are actually much better at poetry than you might think. And then we'll cross the sea and come to America and talk about the amazing developments in American poetry in the early period, Walt Whitman and Emily Dickinson and some of the others, and how that sets up pretty much everything that comes afterwards. Then, two lectures on modern poetry, and I'm defining that very broadly, kind of high modernism, early modernism, late modernism, all one huge collection of really amazing poems. These are the poems that speak to me so much, and the reason I became an English professor was actually my engagement with some of these poems and how much I love them and why I got to read more and more poetry. And then finally we'll talk about poetry now, where poetry is, where it might be going, how even in 14 lectures in an entire course we can't get a handle on it because it's so huge and goes so beyond everything. But you're going to have a real foundation. I also want to say that 
the course is, again, not structured entirely as a history of poetry course. What we're going to be doing in each one of these lectures is not only developing some kind of historical background, here's what was going on with poetry in the 17th century, but we're going to be building up, bit by bit, all the technical knowledge we need to understand poetry. And so I'm not going to give you, here's one lecture on meter, here's one lecture on rhyme schemes, and so forth, but we're going to work them through the entire course, and it actually works really well. So for example, when we're talking about Anglo-Saxon, that's alliterative poetry, so I'll teach you what alliteration is, and work through how alliteration, like Dunkin' Donuts, the repetition of consonant sounds, how that really structures all different kinds of poetry, and then we'll see that blossom later on in different poems by different people. You'll see then how poetry fits into the wider field of human language, and why language is important. And in the end, I think you'll like poetry even more than you used to. Even if you're already a lover of poetry, I think when you have more of the background and more of the details, you'll like it even more.